Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, Frank Macarola who is with API. Frank, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We have a lot to discuss with pertaining to energy updates. Um, and just for our listeners to know that Mike Summers, who is you CEO, is planning on making a trip to Texas here soon, coming to Corpus Christi and being our keynote speaker at State of Energy for Corpus Christi. So we're excited to talk about that. We're also excited to talk about all of the uh, positions that are changing very quickly here in the oil and gas sector, as well as talking about an upcoming movie that is currently now in the movie theaters uh, called A Blowing Up a Pipeline. So before we begin, uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity, Frank, to tell us a little bit about API, because it is the largest uh, oil and gas association dealing with um, uh, lobbying and educational efforts in North America and in the world. So tell us a little bit about the mission of API. Sure. Thanks, Kim. Uh, and thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak with your audience about the oil and gas industry. So I, as you said, I work at API, American Petroleum Institute. We're the leading trade association uh, for oil and natural gas. We represent the full value chain of the industry. We about 600 members uh, are part of our association. And our mission is pretty simple, which is to uh, make sure uh, that we're influencing public policy for a strong, uh, viable oil and natural gas industry in the United States, uh, and also to promote safety globally across the industry. Well, that's a pretty big job. I mean, if if our listeners go to y'all's website, American Petroleum Institute, and just look and see all the amount of work that you guys do, you know, a lot of people don't understand that oil and gas affects everything that we use uh, and everything that we have in our daily lives. And yet um, it's so misunderstood. It's one of the uh, greatest commodities that we need and we use. And yet um, we have so many people that just really do not grasp the importance of it. And I'm not just talking about the general public. We're also talking about elected officials that make policies that make sometimes no sense as well as um, can really affect us in a positive or a negative way. So that's kind of what the show is about. There's a lot uh, happening in the energy sector when we talk about energy transition, ESG. So I really wanted to get um, API's perspective on what's really happening in the energy sector. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, um, you know, over the weekend, uh, we were scheduled to go to the movies uh, because we're having bad weather here in Houston. And just, let's go to the movies and lo and behold, I look up uh, what's on the the or at the movie theaters, if you will, and I come across a movie that is called uh, "I'm Gonna uh, Blowing Up a Pipeline." It caught my attention immediately because uh, anyone with common sense knows that that's not a wise thing to try to do. It's very dangerous, and what's the purpose of that? So I wanted to ask your. Um, what is API's position? Have you heard of this film? Um, you know, how, what is API's position on why would somebody make a film like this? Uh, and, um, and what should the energy industry be doing to 
kind of uh, counter, I think what are, to me seems to be a very um, unfair way of, of talking about how to address climate change. Uh, surely we have better solutions than this. Yeah, yeah, look, I think, you know, first stepping back, I think oftentimes people confuse uh, climate change as in, uh, in either or. And so they view the oil and gas industry as being against uh, climate change. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth, actually. If you think about it, our industry and the production of natural gas and the use of natural gas for power generation has actually been the single leading uh, source of emissions reductions over the past 25 years. And so when I when you think about it, what's the solution to climate change? It's actually the oil and gas industry. And now we're working on things like cleaner fuels, on carbon capture utilization and storage. The solution to the challenges we face, both on affordable and reliable energy and on addressing climate change, are actually found within our industry. It's with the innovation and technology, um, the, the the people that work uh, in our industry care about the environment just like everybody else. And they care very much about the communities in which they live and operate. So they're working on those challenges. And you know, with respect to the question about a pipeline, Kim, uh, you know, it's it's ironic. We've had a lot of people try to block the construction of pipelines um and mm -hmm. claimed well, we it, all remember keystone pipeline that's right that was right. the first executive order that president biden vetoed was or i'm sorry not vetoed ex that's right actually, he canceled, executed he was the, was the keystone pipeline yeah so um if you, th and if you think about it the reason they're doing that they say that they want to you know reduce emissions so they want to cancel pipelines or they want to get rid of fossil fuels. That doesn't get rid of fossil fuels. We still have that energy demand. It just means we're going to be moving it from a, to, to a less, to probably further away, but in a less efficient manner where we burn more fossil fuels in the process rather than delivering it from the safe to the, through the safest, most efficient, most effective way, which is through our pipeline system here in the U S. So I, I don't know. I, I, I know I know these challenges are complex, but if people step back and really think about it, it's our industry that's providing the solutions to the challenges that we face with respect to energy and with the environment. You know, Frank, I think people do make it complicated because it really isn't. It's pretty simple. If you enjoy your modern life today, meaning everything that you have, then you enjoy the products of oil and gas. And, and, and we have to look and recognize that this movie, um, I, I know that um, we're not going to talk too much on it because it's reckless. Um, I think that anyone who does this might be considered a terrorist, homegrown terrorist. This is not the solution to climate change. It's a very dangerous thing uh, to be trying to do that. Um, because these pipelines, there's millions of pipelines, uh, or there's tons and tons of pipelines here in, in Texas alone. Um, and, and they singled out Texas. He's coming to Texas to blow up a pipeline. It's like, well, which one? There's, they're all over Texas. Um, but the way the technology is today on pipelines, they can detect leaks, um, fix them. These are not old pipelines. These the technology now that has evolved is very uh, environmentally friendly and very conscious to make sure that there's no leaks. 
So it's just to me, bad representation of a poor movie of, of trying to set uh, a narrative that probably doesn't even really exist. And people should do their research, but I think that anybody who watches this movie and thinks that it's a good idea, you should think again. Because we all remember what happened with the Colonial Pipeline when it was taken offline. It affected and impacted a lot of people. Uh, everything went up, and I don't think anybody wants that, and certainly not to try to address climate change in that way. Um, so um, do you all have a position or statement uh, pertaining to this movie? and where the energy industry sits with um, how you guys are categorizing this movie or how you guys are viewing this movie. I mean, we, we obviously condemn uh, any uh, any attempts to, you know, have uh, violence or attack uh, private property. Um, and, you know, we, we hope the public really focuses on the value of energy infrastructure that what it's what it's really doing is bringing uh, our energy, which we, as you said, we need for everyday life. It drives our economy. It gets us to work, gets us on vacation, um, gets us to our families. Those pipelines move it from where we have it in the United States to where we need it. It's absolutely yeah. essential. Your point about colonial uh, is, I mean, you, you saw what happened during that summer when, um, when in in May of uh, I think it was 2021, when when the pipeline uh, suffered a cyber attack uh, that had significant consequences across the East Coast. That's uh, right. For people being able to get gasoline on prices, um, mm -hmm. look, our our critical infrastructure needs to be protected in this country, and That's so right. certainly you know, condemn anyone, um, you know. And, you know, it's so crazy to me because I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, how in the world are you going to get to Texas? I'm sure you're going to use some kind of vehicle That's or right. some way that you <laughs> what you're trying to uh, eliminate. Um, so it's just, mm, you should really do some research before you decide to put your name on something like that. Um, I want to, though, switch gears because, um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Mike Summers, uh president, uh, CEO, is planning on coming to Texas to talk to Corpus Christi. Now, Frank, Corpus Christi is a very important uh, energy port. It's uh, first um, in exporting crude and second in natural gas. Um, it's a very, very vital component of oil and gas, and yet that area seems to really embrace it, but yet there's also some hotspots of people really not understanding what's happening. And I get the fact that a lot of people get uncomfortable when we're talking about change, and then you hear a lot of things with climate change. So I'm really happy to hear that Mike is coming to town to talk about energy reform Mm -hmm. and LG, um, two really important and vital things that we should be talking about openly to the community. And that's one of the things that I like the most about API is while you guys educate and advocate for energy or oil and gas specifically with our elected officials in DC, you all also reach out to the community with energy in depth. And you really do try to bring awareness to how important energy is to each and every one of us. And so him coming to Corpus will be important. Um, but I didn't realize in many ways that you guys have a state of energy too that you guys just completed, but it's actually for, I guess, probably the whole uh, North America, if you will. And there was some really critical things that came out of you all's, you, 
That's what came out of API's yeah. State of Energy. And so you uh, are, have agreed to come on the show to join us to talk about some of these specifics. So let's take a quick break, but when we return, I want to get into each and every one of the areas that that API State of Energy covered. Um, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Annual Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider. You need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policyholder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to TexasMutual.com slash TXOGA. And we're back. Frank, before the break, we were discussing um, uh, that API will be joining uh, or coming to Texas uh, and helping the Corpus Christi understand their important role that they play in the energy transition, if you will. Uh, the Port of Corpus Christi is a very vital component of not just the oil and gas of being the number one crude exporter and also the second uh, largest natural gas exporter. They also are very diverse in uh, taking advantage of the energy transition and, and bringing on things like uh, hydrogen and renewables as well. So it's a very diverse port. Um, and so we're looking forward to having Mike come on uh, May 15th. Uh, so tickets are still available. If anybody's interested, they can go to shellmag.com and get tickets. Just click on the, the button that says State of Energy. But I want to switch gears and I want to talk about uh, API put on a state of energy as well. And there were some really great things that came out uh, for hopefully policymakers to, to learn from as well as the general public. And I want to start with natural gas. Um, it is a bridge fuel. Um, it is a cleaner burning fuel. Um, and it is really a solution, in my opinion, for um, continuing to service our energy needs. Um, but it also, it, from time to time, uh, uh, advocates that are not necessarily um, a fan of natural gas typically tend to villainize it. And so with America needing more energy, um, and we certainly can produce the energy much cleaner than any other country on the planet. Um, tell us a little bit about what came out of State of Energy when we talked, when you guys specifically were discussing natural gas and its projections that we're going to need more than less by 2050. Yeah, thanks, Kim. So every, as you said, every year API does uh, its State of American Energy. Um, it's our uh, signature event at the beginning of, of the year that really sort of kicks off um, not just the legislative and regulatory part of the year, but kind of sends out our message of how things look in the energy world and how we think the outlook, uh, what the outlook is for the oil and gas industry. Um, this year, we focused on a theme of um, make, move and improve, which is um, really uh, building upon the policies that we set out last year during the gas price crisis. We we know American 
families and businesses have been crushed by high inflation since the beginning of the Biden administration. And we know that we were facing a supply and demand imbalance uh, this year uh, as, a, as really as a result of the of COVID. Um, we had quick demand coming out of COVID and supplies did not keep pace. And on top of it, the administration put in place some really harmful policies for American energy that really exacerbated the problem and increased prices. And so we at API uh, came together with our members and said, what, what, how, how can we change this direction that the administration has set us on? Uh, and essentially arrived at 10 policies uh, that were focused on increasing access to oil and gas production here in the United States. So we had a domestic advantage in our supply. It was also focused on moving energy, on access on you know a reliable certain regulatory structure that allowed us to construct pipelines as we were talking about pipelines are the safest most efficient effective way to move products so pipeline infrastructure and permitting reform for those things are absolutely critical to the american energy future and then you know the third thing was improved we thought our industry has has made a lot of gains on the environmental front in helping to reduce our environmental footprint while increasing our production. And so what are the policies that can push us forward in making more gains in reducing emissions while producing more energy? That, that was really what the state of American energy focused on. And I'm, I'm sure those are some of the themes that Mike's going to talk about uh, when he comes to Corpus Christi. They're really at the heart of the American uh, energy revolution, which is making more of our energy that we have, the resources we have here in the U.S., having access to them, producing more, building an infrastructure system that's able to move them, and then every day working to improve our environmental uh, stewardship so that we're meeting the challenge of growing energy demand and addressing climate. How is it, uh, Frank, that um, how is API dealing with an administration that seems to be very hostile um, to oil and gas? And what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you're in the bubble, if you will, oil and gas, you understand how expensive and how long these projects take. And there is a full out assault on the energy sector as a whole, especially oil and gas with ESG, um, limiting funds for projects, um, as we mentioned, pipelines. Pipelines, you know, it takes a lot of money to build them. They've got to go through a lot of regulatory agencies. It's no small task to get approved on um, a pipeline. And yet, um, how does an oil and gas, um, whether it's a major or an independent uh, oil and gas producer, you know, how do how are they navigating through and how are you guys assisting your members when we have an administration? If we just look at the Biden administration for the first 19 months, he's been in office, it, it, his federal land lease it, it is non-existent compared to every other president uh, we've had pretty much this far, which is a very telling story that we are going to have not an energy abundance, even though we have a lot here, we're going to have an energy uh, supply problem um, if this keeps going. And I know that y'all's job as um, lobbyists and advocates for the energy uh, sector is to educate our elected officials, but it's really hard to do that when you have an administration that's talking about vetoing 
a bill as soon as it arrives on anything that might potentially change this. And I'm just trying to see on your state of energy, what were some of the outcomes of how frustrating it must be to try to continue day-to-day educating um, your elected officials and yet working with people that just do not want to hear common sense policies whatsoever. So now in, in, in lieu of that, how is it that API and its members, the oil and gas operators, going to maneuver for the next two years and continue to give the American people and the world what they need, um, which is energy? Um, and so I'm going to take a quick break, but I, I do want to come back because on your state of energy to make, move and improve is great. But how are you really going to do that when you have an administration and a lot of the Democrat Party that is completely against this altogether? Is there a way that you guys see promise and change considering all the problems that you guys are facing as well in your members? Let's take a quick break. You're listening to an old patch radio show. And we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Now, Frank, before the break, um, we were discussing uh, API, American Petroleum Institute. You all do your state of American energy every year. I believe it's probably to help inform a lot of the elected officials um, since they are setting our policies for energy, um, some of the problems and hopefully some of the solutions. Um, and we have a lot of problems. Um, the energy industry um, has a lot of problems with how are they getting their jobs done and producing oil and gas for us and the world. Um, President Biden has promised our allies, Europe, to help with their energy needs. And yet um, it seems like we're doing everything we can here, this administration, to stop any energy exploration here in the United States. And I'll make a specific reference to Alaska, the Willow Project, which is the cover of Shell Magazine, this issue coming out. And it really lends um, uh, to Mike's uh, Summers' uh, point that we need energy reform uh, because the elected officials that are setting policies, either they are setting poor policies, maybe they just don't understand energy policies. Um, and it's y'all's job as being the largest trade association <laughs> to help remedy this. But how do you do this uh, in this climate? Um, so your state of, uh, ener- state of American energy make, move, and improve. How did you guys, uh, how, how do you envision this being able to help your customer, help, helping your membership base as well as us, the consumer? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, Kim, we, we looked at the situation and said that the gas prices that people are paying at the at the pump last year was you know untenable we're really based on um you know as i said a supply and demand imbalance but there were policies that were put in place by this administration that was making it worse and so we put together a plan for that congress and the administration should work on um that would help provide relief for the american people now we understood that this administration has been, um, you know, really sort of against oil and ga- gas production in the U.S. since the since the beginning of the first of this term, 
Um, but we also recognize that there were there were growing political pressures on this administration to take another look at this because their policies were contributing to a high price environment. There's, there's three data points for your listeners that I think are really important. If you kind of connect the dots on the administration, um, on, on the administration's policies and their impact on the prices that people pay at the pump. First is gas prices reached a record level during the Biden administration. That's a fact. It's unequivocal. Um, gas prices were at the highest levels they have ever been. The second is that acreage that's leased for fed on federal lands and waters in the United States reached its lowest level since the Second World War. So at a time when we have the highest prices, the administration is leasing the least amount for more production. That makes no sense at all. And the, th the third data point that people need to know at the same time that all this is going on, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is designed for emergency situations where we have this reserve of petroleum that's there for price spikes and for shortages, not for political crises. Um, right. Administration took reserves as strategic petroleum reserve at the, at the greatest levels or lowest levels down since 1983. So what does that mean? That means that the administration, instead of incentivizing or providing policies to produce more energy is using the strategic petroleum reserve to manipulate prices and to, you know, make political score, political points. It's not a long-term sustainable energy policy for the American people. And so what, what we've tried to say to the administration is there's a better way to do this it starts with American energy starts with the domestic supply that we have right here at home. Just consider since the shale revolution, we've doubled the production of oil and, and, and natural gas in this country most of the economic recovery we've had since 2008 to 2023 has been as a result of the shale revolution and the benefits that we've had from it, the manufacturing capabilities that we've brought back here in the United States, the jobs that we've created in energy. Our industry now supports more than 11 and a half million jobs in the U.S. economy. That's 8% of the U.S. economy. And frankly, it's the 8% of the U.S economy that helps drive the other 92%. And so, yes, it's challenging. It's hard working with an administration that doesn't favor American oil and gas. But what, what we've said to them is like, look, your voters want this. Um, your constituents want this. They want more American oil and natural gas. They recognize the benefits of the industry. And even if you have ideological or policy differences, at least we'll appeal to your political sense that like it makes a lot of sense to institute policies that drive down prices for the American people that provide reliable, affordable energy that produce more of it right here in the United States. So we're not reliant on foreign sources of energy. I've worked on these issues for a long period of time. I've seen Republican presidents. I've seen Democratic presidents. They disagree on it almost everything on energy. But one thing they agreed on forever was that we need to more produce more American energy and be less reliant on foreign sources. Let's take a quick break because I want to give you an opportunity to, to finish that out. You're listening to an Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And now it's time for me to welcome back Frank with API. Frank, before the break, we were discussing about the American uh, state of energy, the state of American energy that you guys produced. 
Um, I'd like to go back and visit the whole purpose of the conference that you guys gave your event was to really kind of showcase what's really happening with American energy um, and the global, are we facing a global energy crisis? And inside your report at your website, it's pretty clear in the executive summary, you guys, um, your concept was make, move and improve. And we've covered a little about a little bit of that in the show. And you guys also have some solutions on the make, move, and improve. So I wanna drill down, if you will, and specifically of why I wanted you to come on the show was because of the, you guys are out of this report or out of this event, you all want to establish some environmental reforms, which is the exact reason why Mike Summers is coming to Corpus Christi to talk about what API is, is working towards. Now the national environment, uh, the national environment, the national environmental Policy Act, better known as uh, NEPA, affects many infrastructure problems. Uh, I'm sorry, affects affects many. I'm so sorry. Affects many kinds of infrastructure projects. And one of the things that I want to hopefully have you discuss with us is the real need for reform and what will this policy act do should it be put into place. So let's begin with telling, tell me a little bit about what the problem is that we face and why we need this environmental policy plan of action. Sure, Kim, as you noted, the National Environmental Policy Act um, was really designed to provide a framework to approve projects. Um, but what it's being used at is a tool to delay critical infrastructure projects. And so there was a study out recently that showed the average uh, NEPA approval process taking uh, on average up to seven years to get approved across various government agencies. Uh, they do an environmental impact statement or environmental assessment on the project. Uh, that's really designed to provide a greater level of certainty alongside environmental protection. But as I noted, what it's being is really utilized for is to delay and often stop projects. And so we, we're not looking to, to get rid of any statutes. What we're saying is we need some certain deadlines. And so we need to move that six and a half or seven year average down to a more reasonable average of one or two years so that we can get these projects moving. Cause you know, as I noted during the show, we have plenty of energy resources in this country. We're not in a, a time as we have been in the past where we're relying on foreign countries for our energy. We have it right here at home. We just need the critical infrastructure to get it from where we have it in places like Texas uh, to where it's needed. Um, we, we also need it, Kim, because, because of our abundance of natural gas, we've had the opportunity to export more natural gas in the form of liquefied natural gas. Those projects uh, need approval as well. We have pipelines that bring uh, natural gas from uh, areas of production to the terminals. And so we need greater regulatory certainty to ensure that our progress continues in being able to export gas. As you know, last year, the invasion in Ukraine showed just how important it is that we provide that energy resource to our European allies and allow them to wean off of the resources that they've been relying on from Russia. Well, you know, it's important that I specifically talk about that this 
project, NEPA, this uh, policy act that we're hopefully going to implement will set some standards for reform. It's not just affecting the oil and gas industry. It's also going to affect wind farms, airports, and traffic improvements. So uh, a lot of us remember how it became a global uh, problem at Christmas time a couple of years back when it looked like children were going to get their toys and, and we were missing commodities that we desperately want or need to make our lives nicer and, and better um, because we saw the supply, ch uh, supply ch uh, chain issue that was occurring, the bottlenecks. So this has the way of really streamlining a lot of these uh, problems that we face, regardless of how we're transporting anything. And this would include an, an, an overlay, if you will, even if you were, if environmentalists are listening to the show, um, this is an important policy to continue to further wind farms or airport traffic. So I just wanted to be clear with the listeners that, you know, this is an important thing because it isn't just focusing on LNG um, and natural gas projects and things like that, pipelines. It also has a lot to do with just the supply issue as a whole, as a whole, excuse me. So where do we see this fitting in? Like, when will we know? Um, I'm assuming you guys are talking to Congress right now about this. How far is it before we see some real energy reform? And what can we do in the way of helping support what API is doing to help get some reform um, happening? And I want you to talk a little bit about the Willow Project, because this was a perfect example of what happens when we don't have reform. Yeah, the first, I mean, your, your point about uh, renewables and other infrastructure projects is absolutely right. It's not just the oil and gas industry. Um, it's a broad spectrum of energy producers and energy users that, that are clamoring for permitting reform. We've seen uh, groups like, uh, you know, the renewable energy industry come out in support of, of reforming uh, our permitting process. Uh, large uh, trade groups alongside API, like the Chamber of Commerce and the National Association of Manufacturers. This has a broad uh, spectrum of support across many industries. And, and you're right, not just even in clean energy, but in broadband, roads and bridges. Uh, we need public works projects in this country to keep our economy moving, to keep us uh, the engine of global growth. And so it starts with a a certain uh, regulatory structure, and that starts with permitting reform. In terms of Capitol Hill, we're working not just with Republicans, but Democrats alike uh, who recognize the need for permitting reform. In the past Congress, there were ideas from Senator Capito from West Virginia, her Democratic counterpart, Senator Manchin, uh, both key members of the critical committees uh, in the Senate, there's a lot of interest in the House. The House actually already passed the bill, H.R. 1. They made the energy bill the first major piece of legislation they passed in the House, and that bill included uh, common sense steps on permitting reform, including reforming the NEPA timelines, uh, mm -hmm. addressing Clean Water Act issues, and addressing uh, judicial reforms. Because as, as I noted uh, previously in the show, you know, it's not just the timelines that are associated with the statutes that the government uses to approve pipelines or infrastructure projects. It's also making sure that litigation challenges aren't consuming so much time that they actually end up canceling the projects themselves. That's so correct. We're, we're just trying to educate the public, educating policymakers. So you asked what 
what you could do, um, you know, just continue to drive home the message with your listeners about the need for permitting reform. Look, if you want affordable, reliable, cleaner energy, uh, then the path to do that is to fix our broken permitting system and to get the opportunity to put these projects into service and delivering energy to the American people. When we get back from break, Frank, I want to drill back down into this and what it specifically means if we don't, and what has been the administration's response to HR1 as well. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to you in the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to you in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Frank, before the break, you were discussing the importance of a critical piece of um, legislation that uh, we're tr- that l- our legislators are trying to get through, which is HR one. The importance of it would actually put some energy reform around what seems to be a problem of getting any work done when it comes down to oil and gas and other energy projects, which could also involve renewables, and um, and so it's kind of. Uh, a problem in Washington that we don't really see things getting done. And the HR1 bill that you discussed in the last segment, um, this bill is, is, uh, was moving forward. And I believe President Biden publicly stated um, what that he was going to do if this piece of legislation, actually a solution to our energy needs, goes all the way through and gets passed in the House <laughs> and in the Senate, um, his response would be what? Well, the administration said that they would uh, veto this legislation. And, you know, part of the challenge that we've had with the Biden administration is that they've been sending mixed signals to the American people about energy. They talk about the need for more energy infrastructure, but they cancel pipeline projects and they threaten to veto infrastructure reform. Uh, They talk about the need for more supply uh, to help alleviate. Where and how do we do this? (laughs) But we have... Uh, currently, this administration has leased the fewest uh, number of acres uh, in decades. Yes. Uh, they talk about uh, the need to reduce costs for American producers who are competing globally. But even as late as the as the recent budget request from the Biden administration, they propose significant tax increases on domestic energy producers. And so time and time again, this administration has spoken Uh, On the one hand, about the need for more American energy, and on the other hand, they've proposed and implemented policies that set us back in our efforts to produce and to deliver more American energy. So our message to them is be consistent in your your words uh, with your deeds. Correct, because it is confusing. I know there are listeners that listen to the show specifically to try to understand what's happening. It's complicated, folks. We know that. Uh, but this is a perfect example of double talking. You know, you say one thing, but your policies don't reflect. If you're going to make if you're going to make a promise to our allies in Europe that we're going to provide them the energy resources that they need, then open the spigots, allow our North American producers to produce. Don't hamstring them, if you will. And basically, this is what we're seeing in your state of American energy. There were three things that you guys made clear. Um, the problem, not enough energy to meet the rising demand. We know that this is going to happen. It's projected the planet is going to grow in population, not decrease. So that definitely is a fact. Another problem you guys state is the lack of energy infrastructure to meet the growing demand. Well, if we don't start building infrastructure, we won't have what we need in the future either. And then to deliver affordable and reliable energy while creating 
a lower carbon future. And that's where I want to, I want you to take off and tell us with why is it so important for North American producers to do it other than other countries? Because a lot of times we see other countries are doing this. We're turning to Venezuela for our energy needs, the world. And um, Iran potentially and Russia, do any of them have the permitting that we have here in the United States to produce a greener energy to supply the world's need for oil and gas and other energy resources. What is the problem with allowing these other countries to get into the game versus North American producers? Where's the benefit? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think over the past um, 15 years, you've seen a greater production in North America and the United States specifically. Uh, you've seen us through the innovation and in technology through the shale revolution uh, horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing have opened up vast resources for greater production of natural gas uh, in the United States and also for the production of oil in the United States. And that has meant we've doubled the production of these resources in the U.S. during this time period. That's meant job creation. It's meant greater energy security for the country. And it's meant uh, greater environmental benefits because, number one, to your point, uh, we have uh, a strong environmental stewardship uh, backed by a significant uh, regulatory and legislative framework for a greater environmental stewardship here in the United States. But we've also been able to utilize the greater production of natural gas to drive down emissions in the power sector. Traditionally, our electricity came primarily or, you know, the largest source of our electricity in this country came from coal, which has a higher emissions profile than natural gas. The ability to produce more natural gas in the United States has meant we've actually driven down uh, uh, emissions in the power sector by 40%. And 60% of that is due to the increased use of natural gas. And so mm -hmm. our message is the oil and natural gas industry is not just the answer or the solution to greater energy security and greater economic security, it's also the answer to greater environmental stewardship. I think the last thing to note um, is that our industry is investing significantly in technologies to further reduce emissions. So things like carbon capture utilization and storage, you see a whole host of companies making significant investments and in making sure that we capture the carbon, sequester it, and not let it go into the atmosphere. We also have significant investments in next generation fuels, so cleaner fuels, sustainable, sustainable aviation fuels, hydrogen from natural gas. All of these investments are gonna pay off for the American people in the form of cleaner energy, but also in the form of affordable and reliable energy. And so uh, our message to policymakers is on all of these critical components on both energy security and the climate, the natural, the oil and natural gas industry is uh, providing solutions, uh, and we ought to we ought to encourage that, not impose policies that restrict our industry and make it easier to produce oil and gas somewhere else where it's not done uh, as favorably, and it harms our energy and national security. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that is a lot of what comes in in questions to the show is why are we purchasing from other countries versus um, 
uh, here in the United States? Why are we not producing more? Do they have more environmental friendly um, type of uh, regulations that this is why we're doing this? And it's like, no folks, there's actually probably none at all that exist over there. Um, this is where you will see the best ways of greener technology coming online, being able to provide solutions for the future for the energy in, in as green a way as possible. And, 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 you know, I think it's important that we keep discussing, it doesn't matter what we hear on the boob tube or on uh, TV, what elected official is saying something to their base. The fact is that energy, oil and gas specifically, isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. We're just not there. We have no replacement. So we need organizations like API, but we also need involvement from us, the listener, to talk to the elected officials. Make sure you're voting for people who have solid energy policies, because if not, the train wreck happens at your grocery store, at the gas pump, and in your utility bills, just to name a few. Frank, thank you so much for being a guest today on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we look forward to having API back on, hopefully with an update on some policies that might be coming out, some wins that we might get for the American people in the energy sector. Um, and of course, maybe through uh, midterms or uh, the election of the president, we need to be talking about which candidates are strong on energy. So we look forward to having you guys back to talk to us a little bit more about policy issues. Yeah, we look forward to that as well, Kim. Thanks for having me on today. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.